Hello, this is Dauber with Oceans of Slumber, and you're listening to The Progcast. Welcome back to The Progcast. My name is Dario, I'm your host, and this is episode 72. I'm super stoked to have Dober with us today uh, from Oceans of Slumber. Hi, Dober. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Um, before we jump into uh, Oceans of Slumber stuff, I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, we have a little section in our uh, broadcast that we like to call What's in Your Walkman? So I would like to ask you. Uh, for a couple of tracks that you've been listening to uh, these days that stood out, that kind of talked to you or, or that you came back to recently a lot? If there's uh, anything that comes to mind so we can add it to the to the accompanying playlist uh, that goes with the broadcast. The uh, most played thing right now... Um would probably be the the newest Dawn of Solace record. Um, I'm familiar with the with the name of the band, but I've never listened to them. What can oh, what, what, what what can we expect from that? Um, it is um, just dark metal, uh, something adjacent to what we do. You know, not as broad and like the using, but uh, uh, they have an incredible vocalist, um, Miko. Uh, I don't say his last name but he's from a finnish band called colonist kolomaton um one of the best metal bands that you haven't heard pretty much uh all right um and it's thomas from wolf heart it's his side band of like melodic dark metal and then um mercury circle which is a another finnish band oddly enough <laughs> um And they have a song called The Beauty of Agony uh, that's been out for a little while. Uh, another uh, kind of goth doom. If uh, if The Cure was making something close to doom metal, I think that would be Mercury Circle. Um, and right. then, uh, yeah, I, I, I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, weird stuff, you know, FKA Twigs and things like that too, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you, if you want to, To give us a song, I, I'm I'll be happy to put it in the playlist. We are, we always love to change things up and not stick to the to the um, what what uh, officially is considered uh, prog metal, you know, or prog in general. <laughs> FKA Twigs called "Home with You," um, and then uh, of course, you know, it's like for me tons of nick cave so like nick cave uh oh children um and doyle bramhall the veil a pretty heavy mixture from uh dark alternative pop music to really deep blues and rock and roll to extreme stuff Yeah, it looks looks like uh like an interesting mixture. Um isn't that what Prague is supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um do, do you have a song um recommendation for 
the Dawn of Solace album. Uh, favorite song on the album? A song called Hiding. Hiding sounds good. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a detuned acoustic guitar track. Uh, incredible vocalist. Like I, I've I've loved this dude's voice from the get go. Uh, I'm really cur curious now um, to check these out. Um, I also have two um, two entries into the playlist today. The first one would be the brand new Fate's Warning single called Scars that came out yesterday that I'm going to add. And the the other one is a... Um, well, uh, let, let's finish with Fate's Warning first. They have they announced a new album, Long Day, Good Night, for November 6th on Metal Blade Records. And Fate's Warning, of course, is an awesome band and a household name in the prog metal circle. Um, and the, the new song is really cool. The bass especially stood out for me in the first two listens I did. And I'm certainly going to listen more uh, in, until the album drops. Um, the other uh, entry I want to I give a shout out to today is a band called Earth's Yellow Sun. And they put out an EP in 2015 called The Infernal Machine. It's like crazy jazz metal, um, instrumental stuff. And they, they're kind of re-releasing it uh, these days with uh, kind of comic uh, graphic novel animated YouTube videos. Um, and it's just crazy stuff. I've never heard about them before. And the, the EP is yeah it's short and nice and crazy stuff we'll put it at i will put it at the end of the playlist um at the beginning of the playlist of course there will be the new oceans of slumber singles and the kind of best of oceans of slumber um through the years that you might help me pick later um but let's jump into um yeah what's happening now or what happened to the up to this point as the road for oceans of slumber has been quite rocky since the release of uh, your last album the banished heart um maybe you can uh tell us a little bit what happened after the release of that album and um yeah how how the road led you as a band to this new album um, well, the banished heart was, a, uh, you know, it's a rough record. It was the, the last mixture of the old lineup. Um, so there was definitely like a disjointedness, um, to what was involved. Uh, there was like the stuff that, that I wrote, there was the stuff that Anthony wrote, the stuff that Sean wrote. And so that's what made the, the record kind of, you know, um, uh, a bit all over the place. I mean, it, it worked together and, I, and I'm proud of the record. Um, but it was uh, a hard, uh, hard sell, you know, it's like we put that record out. It was critically acclaimed. It came out. A lot of people enjoyed the shit out of, you know, the big, all of the big outlets, the magazines, everybody embraced it. You know, I think people, people shy away from something that serious. You know, some of the music on that record is incredibly serious. Um, it is. <laughs> and I think that there's a fear, like people don't like facing those challenges. Um, and that's ultimately what caused so much problems, uh, for us. Um, so, you know, we would tour and the touring was though fun and, and cool. It was hard, you know, it was, it, 
it's not a lucrative style of music. It's hard to be on the road. Everybody's got families and money issues. And so, uh, we come back home after a few things, we played the Prague power festival in Atlanta and the band just ultimately started kind of shaking apart, um, which we were on our way anyway. That's the problem with it. Um, and so there was a there was a disinterest in the making of the banished heart that started showing cracks and uh ultimately led us to where we are now you know people wanted to focus on their careers they wanted to focus on their families uh they wanted to focus on their own musical outlets um and i'm glad you know <laughs> whenever we stopped having these uh spurs in the saddle um, whenever there were no, uh, stickers in the blanket, we could stretch out and not be, uh, you know, bothered by any of it. So, uh, this is the first record that we've able, been able to write. That's been, uh, just comfortably in a direction that we're going still, which is also, we're, we're still heading a direction. This is not like the ultimate, we're not going to like make the next record. And it's going to be this record again. Uh, the next record is going to be pretty fucking different from this one and we've already got it mostly finished so wow um well you said for for the banished heart uh, also uh anthony and sean had uh contributed con contributed to the to the writing to the songwriting um for the new one uh the self-titled new one new album oceans of slumber How how was the writing process? Was it was it all you and Cami together uh, this time around, or did the new guys already had some input? Um, uh, they had input, obviously. Uh, I had written a good chunk of the album uh, by myself, um, and then uh, Jesse, being the primary songwriter on the first track, with uh, me. Uh, being the arranger and then he and I both you know put that song together and then uh, pray for fire is Jesse and myself or myself and Jesse uh, a mixture uh, return of the earth below is all me uh, colors of grace is all me uh, adorned all me uh, what's the other ones the other last one uh, red flower total failure paradise And so, yeah, Red Flower, All Me, To The Sea, All Me, uh, and uh, September is, of course, all my stuff. Um, so it was like a big chunk of it was taken care of, and then uh, they come in and we start kind of collaborating, and then you see that Total Failure Apparatus is Zan, the youngest guy in the band, and we had fixed a few parts and moved some things around, and it's like... Um, you know, let's take a song like to the sea. Like, yeah, I, I, I wrote that whole song, but the, the interpretations of the parts and the things that make the song special is purely because of the band members. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, uh, that, that's, that's what the unit, that's how this works. It's like, I can pin out and do all these things, but everybody else is also free to, um, add and and elaborate so um, so in the in the end the falling apart of the old lineup was uh um fortuitous yeah yeah <laughs> that that was probably the word i was looking for um as was, as you found a, these new guys that seemed to be 
uh, eager to jump to the challenge and um, become part of Oceans of Slumber. Right. Yeah, they wanted this. They they this is the type of life that they want. They're young. They don't have pre-existing things with family or kids or anything like that. It's all the things that make this life hard, really hard if you can't put it in its places. Um and so yeah, they were eager to to be in a band like this. They wanted to be in a band like this, you know. Um so it makes it good. It's good for us. It's amazing. Um, b- before we maybe jump uh, a little bit into some of the tracks in detail, um, I wanted to go back a bit uh, to the to the last albums or the difference of the may- maybe of the uh, how how they were received um, that you already touched a bit earlier uh, when you said the banished heart was a hard sell. Um, I mean, I, I I discovered you guys with uh, Winter with a with a it was the second oceans of slumber album and the first full album with cami on vocals and it was also your label debut for century media and i and i think the uh the various youtube videos that you did for this record kind of went a bit viral and 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 kind of started um yeah, yeah. bringing you out there and 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 people people seem to like it and um so w- when uh, the banished heart came came around i had the feeling um it's it was it was less polished than winter and like a lot more raw 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 in a yeah in a, like in the emotional sense and and i had I th- I'm not sure, but I think I expressed this in my review as well back then that um, that I had the fear and and you seem to um, to uh, to have seen this from your perspective as well that that some uh, that it might have been too raw for some people that might have liked winter before. you know what I mean? I, I do know that, but I also, um, I don't care, you know, it's like that. <laughs> out but, needed to. Yeah. C- coming, coming back to the new album, oceans of slumber, uh, the, uh, uh, self-titled album, so to speak. Um, I have the feeling there you kind of, um, you maintained the rawness of the emotions in Cami's vocals mainly, of course. Um, but the sound is overall more polished again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things to where um, when most people are looking at albums, they're just like, oh, this band, I like, released a record, or I heard about this band, and I released a record. For us, it's not the case. So whenever, whenever we did Winter, everything was hunky-dory and fine enough and we had just wrote some songs and it had some somewhat special meaning. Sure. Uh, by the time the banished heart come out, then we had fully moved into, uh, myself being, uh, fully like dictating the direction of the record. And I, we had gone through a lot of terribly dense, uh, deep things, you know? And so because of all these personal changes in life that was reflected fully in the album. And that's the whole thing. It's like that album's personal. Um, this album now, the, the self-titled record is incredibly personal. Uh, 
we're just not going through the same weight of shit that we were on the banished. <laughs> so where the banished heart was an inside look and sound of what uh, heartache and heartbreak felt like at the time for us during uh, 2017, 2018. Uh, Oceans of Slumber, the song is, uh, or the, the record is not that heartbreak anymore. It's settling and it's like seeing life or uh, in a different way and uh, seeing civil uh, distresses, seeing, uh, you know, injustices and things like that. And so it's a different direction. It's a, it's the way music is. It's a window in time. Mm-hmm. If you were look at the 2018 record and realize that this is like some statement of what's in your heart or in your mind, that's what the banished heart is. If you look at 2020 and look at Oceans of Slumber self-title, that's what's in our heart and in our minds at the time. So it's fully a representation of who we are and it has to come out and it has to get out of our bodies and we have to make these songs. And as soon as the songs are out and recorded and released, then that's over with and we move on to the next thing. <laughs> so kind of therapeutic. Absolutely therapeutic. If you don't have a if you don't have a place to put something or these things in your life, then it will eat you alive, and you will be a miserable person. And uh, this is what this is like. We have to put these things out, and so it's like take it or leave it. That's the reason why. Like I, when somebody says that the like the banished heart is a very emotional, tough record, it's a very dark record to fall down into. Uh, yeah, well, you should have you should have been in our shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Um, yeah, but even though I said it's more, I have the feeling that it's more polished. It's 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 kind of only only sound wise, and there's some production stuff that in in like in September, which is all uh, again a kind of piano interlude from you, as uh, you are not only the drummer but also the main composer, as we already heard and established, uh, but also. Mm, composed a lot on on the piano and uh the piano was already in the previous albums at some point very prominent um the the string arrangement that comes that, that like makes it a bit, little bit bigger at the end this is kind of some new side that uh i think i didn't hear in that kind before um But of course, it's still oceans of slumber, and that means that it's not only, um, yeah, beautiful and 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 melancholic and soft, but there's also still the extreme metal side. And um, for me, as someone coming from the prog world and not from the extreme metal side, I find it incredibly interesting and fresh to have these influences or to to discover these influences and but i'm not really able to to uh put pinpoint them to certain uh, uh bands or styles within the broader extreme metal genre so for example in total failure apparatus uh towards the end there's uh like this very weird uh kind of growl that reminds me of like a you know a dwarf or something i don't know i have no idea what kind of style that would be and uh yeah that was like the super low part yeah the super low and slow part yeah well the, i'm talking about is the voice super low like the 
very very yeah. low voice yeah that's that's called a gurgle oh, uh, okay see uh, uh, that, that's from uh brutal brutal death metal um but it was meant to be like cavernous you know and that's why it sounded you said a troll or a <laughs> dwarf or whatever yeah uh, and so it was meant to be cavernous uh because if you listen to you know uh bands uh, dripping or devourment or any of these old school like slam death metal bands what they're called now but you know it's like yeah i come from i come from extreme metal but just as much so i also come from country music and jazz and everything else so that's uh you know on that same song we do shout uh gang vocals just yeah. like you would hear on biohazard or sick of it all or something yeah. so that, that's something i was a little bit more familiar with as these styles are more in the mainstream eye as well like um i probably wouldn't be able to name a, a one of these old school brutal death metal bands you just uh uh named but But of course, I've heard of these, uh, yeah, gang type shouts in, in the like hardcore um, scene. Uh, but yeah, uh, see, now I learned the new word, the gurgle. <laughs> gurgle. <laughs> um, another very interesting part I've, uh, I thought was in Pray for Fire, that song presents itself kind of... Uh, two part and the second part is like with with this, this, this kind of spoken word uh vocals by cami and i i uh, thought okay that's an that's an that's an interesting when i first when i first listened to the to the album i didn't look at the um at the player and look at look when the next song begins i was i was um <laughs> I was convinced that we were already on track three, but it was still track two, <laughs> indeed. Um, so how how did you when when you composed "Pray for Fire"? Um, how did you know that these two parts belong together? Weird question, maybe. But <laughs> oh, they. I mean, they they uh, they flowed for me. I mean. Whenever I got to that point, it was, uh, I had written that the ending part, uh, out of something. And I, I due to the keys and the modulation in between the, the, the sections, uh, I knew that they, for me, they fit together. Um, the spoken word part was meant to be kind of like a, in a, in a preaching way, you know, and it was about somebody that wishes to hold you down, somebody that wishes to see you not do well, somebody that wishes all of these things. Um, so, uh, whenever we were in the studio, uh, Cammie was asking like, so, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure what I want to do here. And I was all like, why don't we do the spoken word part? So it can be like this, this queen, uh, figure, this priestess figure rising up to gather everyone. And then you're speaking this like truth, like you're, bringing this fire and you're bringing this storm upon everybody that would have that would rather see you fail or bring you down. And so it was something like uh, a leader uh, walking onto a pulpit and uh, instructing and, and, you know, telling them the same things that, you know, it's like you would, you would have me fail or they would have us all fail. They would have us all fall to them. 
and we will not fall to that. Like I, I will be the one that brings the fire. And so that's what the whole concept was. Well, it's uh, pretty chilling, uh, especially with, with your uh, raging drums <laughs> underneath. Uh, it's a stark contrast, but it works uh, perfectly. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad. Um, it was a cool part. Uh, I knew it was, you know, I mean, I, this stuff, when, when I write or we write, it's it's just to appease my own inner demons. So <laughs> when I heard it, I'm all like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Uh, now, whether or not everybody else is going to like it whatsoever, I don't know. It's not for me. It's like, we're going to keep on writing music the way that, that we write, that I write uh, tool. Nobody wants to listen to it anymore. And that's just kind of how it's, it is. Uh, that's what this stuff means to us, you know, or means to me. Like this is a vessel for uh, an idea that's bigger than myself. It's it's an idea about some larger concept of like romanticism and aggression and violence and and, and the mixture of these two things. It's like social civil strife <laughs> uh, come to uh, uh, in the form of music. Yeah, um, in in. And one of the singles, a dorm fathomless creation, you have a little Easter egg hidden. What's it? What's... Isn't, isn't there, didn't you reference a certain riff in that song? I think I read something on your timeline. That, that... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You don't remember? Uh... Like something, what was it? Um, from morbid angel or something okay so the intro <laughs> of it um, yeah the intro of the the song is uh, absolutely 100 an ode to uh, uh morbid angel uh god damn it <laughs> the, the first track off of uh <laughs> I'm, I'm, i'm not familiar with with the band i just know there's, there's a song called immortal rights by morbid angel that's the name of it uh ah, okay And it's on Altars of Madness. It's the first track. It's the opening. Oh, okay. So when I, when I was talking to Dan, I was all like, hey, you know, when we're doing this, I want to reverse the song into it with the snare. And he goes, like Immortal Rights, right? And I was like, exactly. Well, I told him like Immortal Rights. And he said, do you want the snare drum hitting like that too? And I was like, absolutely. And he's all fucking A. Hell yeah, that's amazing. Um, Morbid Angel is one of the biggest death metal influences in the world to me, especially like the first four records. I grew up with that shit, so... Um, and that's what it was. It's like my style of death metal writing, which I wrote that song, uh, is fully based out of like '90s style death metal because, like, I'm from the fucking '90s. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was that for 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 me as as I said, as I I didn't grow up with uh, these uh, kind of bands. Uh, I I wouldn't have spotted it, of course, and and. Yeah, it's it's definitely a kind of a, a weird intro. This reversed <laughs> riff thingy before the songs really starts. Um, but uh, there's also some. There was also another single that is not as heavy and brutal and fierce, and that was the Colors of Grace featuring Mick Moss from Antimatter. How did this collaboration come together? Uh, he and I had been pen pals for a while friends uh uh and 
that track uh, was definitely like a Fields of the Nephilim type vibe for me. And uh, originally I was going to do some kind of collaboration with Patrick Walker from uh, 40 Watt Sun and Warning, but he was not the vocalist for that song. You know, it's like he wouldn't, he would have fit anything. He's a fucking brilliant musician and singer, but Mick was the type of singer for that song. And so I hit Mick up and asked him if he'd be interested because when we released the banished heart, he messaged me like the day that came out or the day after. And he said, you know, if you ever want a collaboration, I'd love to do, I would love to sing a song with Cammy. And I was all like, yeah, for sure. I like, I love you. You know, <laughs> I think it's amazing. It's rich and it's, it's got that soulful uh, longing for something sound to it. And so that's where the colors of grace came from. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of, I, mean, I mean, I knew about antimatter and Mick Moss for a long time, but I never really dove into their discography or their music i knew oh. they're there but um uh when i heard him sing on the one song on gleb kolyadin's solo album from i am the morning um yeah that, i was just totally sold on, on his yeah beautiful uh emotional voice and yeah. and on the colors of grace in in duet with with a cami that shines even more and for me it might even have had a bigger emotional impact um as the duet on the banished heart with um with oh, tom. tom england from evergrey no color no light <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah i mean to me that song's uh I love Mick and I love the colors of grace, but, uh, the, the no color, no lights, uh, uh, that's a, a forever type of song. Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, uh, I mean, as, as, as you said, the, the, the stuff that was going down during the, uh, banished heart, um, writing, um, in your lives was a lot more grave and severe, so I guess the it's a harder that's a harder song to listen to on a daily basis for yeah. sure it's not not one you want to if you want to cry or feel you know feel something really deep and horrible then no color no light's a very good song for that uh it's not something you just sit around and listen to while you're at work or driving around that's a fucking sad ass song <laughs> um yeah but this is not the the like the the three singles that are no four singles actually yeah yeah you've put out four singles already um and but they they were not the first release you did this year before there was another single that sadly is not gonna be on the album and that is strange fruit of course right. um why don't you tell us a little bit how you came to cover this song and how how it was to to release it at that specific time i mean uh of course i would have loved to talk to cami about this but uh, <laughs> i think you, you you can also tell us a little bit how this came together and uh well about 20 years ago a good friend of mine who uh turned me on to uh billy holiday's strange fruit you know i was a kid so um 
and he wanted to redo the song 20 years ago in our old band infernal dominion death metal band and uh, obviously wasn't right <laughs> right context um but then i had also gotten into nina simone over the years and then fell off and then listened to nina simone again um so the Nina Simone version of Strange Fruit was a reference for me because uh, it meant a whole lot to her, even though it destroyed Billie Holiday's career. So it meant a whole lot to her also. Um, but Nina Simone's version like really spoke to me. Um, and I was telling Cammie, it's like, I, I really want to do something for Black History Month. You know, it's like you're you're fighting this fight. You know, you're one of the few black women in or black uh, people that are in this scene of music, yeah. um, you know, throw some ideas at you. And, and she was all like, yeah, I'm super into that. Um, and my, my choice was going to be Mississippi goddamn, but that's just because of multiple reasons for Nina Simone. Um, but obviously fans wouldn't connect to that so much because that's like a full blown bebop jazz song. Um, <laughs> so strange fruit it was you know it's all like we're we're always just we're considered a doom band by most people uh, and it's just because of the pace and and the, the grandiose nature of the things but um we decided on strange fruit and it also depicted a certain thing and uh this we did this before all the shit happened uh yeah. it had nothing to do with it. it i mean that what happened has been happening and that's the thing about america it's like this is not it's not new I mean, she sang that song with that reverence because of the things that were going on uh, throughout the civil rights movement in the 60s and, and late 60s. Uh, so, you know, it's like it, it's it is nothing new. And the fact that it, is, it exploded this year during all the stuff is not a surprise either. There was only going to be so long that the shit could fucking maintain its course before people are going to finally be fed up with it. Yeah. So when it came out, it was like, oh, shit, you know, it almost seems like we did it you know, in this time frame, which we didn't, we did it months and months before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we just didn't get clearance to put the video up. And that's what happened. It's one of the most protected songs in American publishing. Oh, wow. So I'm, yeah. I'm super glad that you were able to put it out because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, bummed out that it's not going to be on the, on the album. <laughs> it might wind up being on some other special release. All right. Uh, but we have to see, you know, it's it's also again, it's the most protected song and yeah, published. Yeah, I, I get that, of course. Um yeah, but it's it's uh definitely also gonna end up on the playlist uh that is accompanying this episode of the broadcast. Um what landed on the album though is another cover version that but that one you've been playing live for a long time, if I remember right, or not? No, we've only played it, uh, I think, three times live. Yeah. It was in our uh, repertoire, but we never, you know, it's like we only played it a handful of times. Ah, okay. Yeah, but, but, I, but I knew, I kind of connected this song with you guys already before I saw that... Um, Yeah, there's that, a few live videos of it up floating around and people are always like, you know, we hope you put it on the record, you know, blah. Uh, and so we we didn't do it because people were asking for it. We did it because we wanted to redo the song. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, Wolf Moon, of course, from Typo Negative. 
Um, again, that's not a band I really grew up with. Um, so, and and maybe also not all not all prog progers are that familiar with. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the song and how it fits in the Oceans of Slumber universe. Well, to me, typo negative is uh, by the standard, by the definition of what prog is. Typo negative is about as prog as it gets. You know, <laughs> okay. They're a metallic hardcore band that started playing doom metal that loved the Beatles. <laughs> There's all this '50s and '60s rock and roll elements rolled in with Seals and Croft fucking songs that they've redone and. Uh, doo-wop parts in the middle of a song about having two girlfriends and you know okay. it's uh it's there you know the, to me they're that's one of my favorite bands in the entire world so uh they're worth investigating if you like different kinds of music i think uh the most thing that i hear is the assault on masculinity that pete Steele does <laughs> so when <laughs> guys listen to this sensitive deep voiced giant dude seeing they feel emasculated or something i don't know what it is <laughs> i just have many uh metal friends who get so angry at the at the vocals and the you know <laughs> the things about the the romanticized nature of it and the fact that all the women always wanted to sleep with the dude so i think it's funny <laughs> uh, that record uh october rust is probably their ultimate album and that's uh one of the best that's probably you know top two records in my life so and that particular song is about going down on a woman during her menstrual period uh, times and turning into a wolf and all kinds of shit i'm i'm just looking up the set list uh from october 2016 when i saw you guys opening for enslaved on their anniversary tour uh, yeah. with Ney Oblibiscaris also playing that night and you played Wolf Moon that night yeah that's uh <laughs> so what we did there was uh I, yeah I remember running into you outside of the venue that day too yeah uh, yeah we talked a bit so we walked over to the Oktoberfest thing uh yeah the band yeah um so in preparation of us playing that song in uh Spain uh, I think on that tour, we played that song maybe four or five times. Maybe, you know, it might be seven times, but we played 42 shows out of it. Um, but it was about us getting to Spain and playing it on Halloween is what the plan was. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> so it was kind of a tryout. <laughs> right, right, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, finally, before the album got released of course you already mentioned him it was uh mastered by none other than dan swan um how did this happen <laughs> i mean he's a legend well yeah you know i'm a huge fan of dan's um absolutely a huge fan and um he Oddly enough, you know, uh, I just messaged him. We we're talking on Facebook and I said, Hey, you know, I think I, I want to get you to do this record. Um, but you know, edge of sanity and pantomonium and all that stuff are like huge records to me. And, uh, I just asked him <laughs> and I didn't realize how accessible and everything else was. And he'd been doing a lot of records, you know, over the years and mixing. And I said, uh, I think for what we're doing on this record that you would be 
uh, I would be happy to work with you. And, uh, when he sent me back the first song, he was like shitting his pants. He said, you know, <laughs> he's like, I have no, this is like the most bombastic shit that I've ever heard. Like, uh, this is crazy, which he likes, you know, that he, he writes weird fucking music. I write weird music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen him once, uh, play live with, uh, Nightingale actually at the Proc Power Europe festival. Oh, that would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking about live shows now, of course, these days, not much is possible, really. Um, yeah, but looking forward into a possible future, we all don't know what's, what will be in the, what will happen in the next month regarding the state the world is in with the pandemic going on and everything. Um, yeah. But... Um, really hoping that once this is over that uh, you guys will be able to tour this record um as it deserves <laughs> definitely to be played live as well well we you know we we have every intention of it uh you know we're going to whenever the the time comes um but you know uh from from our estimates and what we see through our our team and stuff uh the professional side of all this uh they're not really expecting anything until the end of next year yeah uh, so that's a long time it is <laughs> um i know that some northern countries uh are are having shows and i've seen some i've even seen a few shows in germany happening yeah. Yeah, I've I've been to two shows already after the lockdown actually. Uh two small like um a venue that usually holds 1200 people uh now having a maximum capacity of 200 and it's yeah. seated and all that. So it, of course it's a very different vibe, but it's for the for the venues it's better than nothing. They they can at least keep something going. And in Germany, it's definitely um, it's 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 possible, and it's um, yeah, the situation just looks very very different uh, overall compared to the states or the UK even. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're we're definitely in a different boat. I don't know what's going to happen here. Like, who knows? I, obviously, the majority of our time touring is spent in Europe, so it's like sure cool like hopefully everything works out pretty soon and we can go back on the road and um but we're also you know we've we've got time and we we're already working on our next record so you know by the time we're able to tour again we might have a new record out which is unfortunate but now then you have more more stuff to choose from which could also prove hard uh because of their emotional attachments to so many songs. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's like hit it and quit it type things, you know. Once this stuff's out, we just kind of pick through what we want to play and then we move on with our lives. We have to. I'm talking about the next record. There's also another um, project, actually, that you've been teasing for a while now with Cami as well, the Genoa project. Is this still happening? Yeah, it's finished. Um we're just waiting to announce the, we're, we have a, there's an independent label that's putting it out and we're just kind of waiting for the, the timing obviously is awful right now. So, um, 
but we finished the record. Um, it was done a year ago, and then uh, I had the idea of having Randall Dunn remix it just to uh, get into that style and that 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 club that Randall Dunn mixes, you know, Emma Ruth Rundle and Chelsea Wolf type of people. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's done. It's ready. It's it's pretty. You know, it's a beautiful uh, electronic. It's, you know, it's like Depeche Mode, Portishead meets Johnny Cash. So it's different. I can't wait. I really can't wait to hear that. It sounds totally up my alley. Um, when I'm when I'm not listening to some prog metal shit, I really like this kind of stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find it. Uh, it's pretty soothing, you know. It would be Beautiful. definitely for fans of Over and like newer Over. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's like we we could we could, if time permitting, with Cami being able to like bear down on something and. Uh, we could shit out another record in a month uh wow. just because you know i don't know the, the writing part's pretty easy it's uh, one day it'll dry up i'm sure but for now it, it comes out pretty simple and fast awesome uh yeah you you um you mentioned what did you mention i wanted to 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 say something like wrapping this up um well yeah we will probably have to to wait quite some time still until we will be able to see you guys live again uh but until then we will have the new album to tie this over and i also wanted to to kind of say again from a from a fan and music lover perspective that music like this can also be can, that can not only be therapeutic for those who write it but also for those listening to it and um right. yeah i definitely have that experience with oceans of slumber and uh what i wrote in the review for a um greek um prog rock album the solo album of a guy called jargon um, the Fading Thought is uh, he's the frontman of the um, band Verbal Delir- Delirium. Is that um, I don't know. Sometimes it's like these 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 times are crazy all over the world, of course, and every everyone is is probably struggling in his own way um, through these weird times. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, if I showed them. Uh, the fading thought from Yargon or some oceans of slumber and said, this is the stuff that gives me strength and hope and carries me through hard times. They would say, wow, this is so depressing. I would really get so, so depressed while listening to it, listening to it. But for me is it's, it's really soothing and, and in a weird way, totally uplifting. And yeah, it, uh, Well, it's a, it's a simultaneous struggle. I mean, uh, though you and I are unique from each other and, uh, and are different, like we, we're, we're still, we're still chewing the same dirt, you know, it's like, we're, we're all kind of, it's what we're hoping to do is find connections with people who are similar and, and do realize that like what you're going through, though may might be hard or uh, difficult in some kind of way. It's like, there are other people going through it also. And that doesn't mean in a comparative way, it means in a sympathetic way. And that's what empathy is. And it's like, we're trying to music like this is meant to be 
perceived and, and taken as empathetic. Like you're supposed to say, this is a similar experience to what I have, or I have a feeling something similar to what this song is. Uh, you know, the, the, the light and shade of day, uh, the, the light and shade of things, the uh, fucking face warning song. Face warning. Yes. Yeah. So that came out right after my house flooded and I had all this shit going on, man. And yeah. I could just listen to that song and be like, wow, you know, it would, it would overwhelm me listening to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. just because of how, uh, how close it was. And it's, it's, it's it, it wasn't a unique thought, but it was a thought that was like inside my head that somebody else had written. And of course it was Ray Alder. So, you know, <laughs> Ray Alder can fuck anybody up in, in my case. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely also a great album to look forward to. Um, that's coming out November 6th. But before September 4th, one day after this episode drops, there's going to be the new self titled Oceans of Slumber album on Century Media. Uh, good luck with the release of the album. I'm looking forward to receiving my vinyl that I. Uh, Uh, pre-ordered from the Century Media uh, USA store, actually, because there was no special edition here in um, in Europe, unfortunately. But, yeah. I don't know what that's all about, but it, that's what happened. I don't know. No, um, no worries so about that. If you could, send me a link to that this Jargon record you're talking about if, I if would you would. love to I would love you to listen to it because it's 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 uh, a lot of string quartered arrangements and very moody and i will send you a link for sure and uh for now i want to thank you for taking the time to being on on this show uh, it was a great talk and uh to our listeners thanks for listening thanks for tuning in as always and take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones and listen to great music The broadcast is a production of Stuus Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel-Lewis, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant.